Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Uh, today, I have two special guests with me from McKinsey, Sai Tunangutla and Rohit Panikar, who have authored an outstanding article on zero-based design that we'll be discussing today. Welcome. Thanks, Hi, Michael. Michael. Thank you. So it's great to have you both here. Can you briefly introduce yourselves for us? Sure. Sai Tunangutla, based out of uh, Singapore. I'm a partner in TMP practice. I primarily work in ops for... Uh, telco, high-tech, and uh, heavy infrastructure industries. Been in consulting for the last 15 years, and over this time, I've served 30-plus clients in 20 countries. Prior to consulting, I was with AT&T, developing services for B2B customers. Glad to be here. And I'm Rohit. Uh, I'm a partner out of our Chicago office, also in our operations practice, and I do a lot of my work at the intersection of sort of operations and digital. In my prior life, I was in engineer and did a lot of work on process design and lean and, you know, optimization. And then so over the last few years at McKinsey, I've been excited to take that to the next level through augmenting the, the traditional approaches with digital and automation technologies. I serve clients mostly across logistics and distribution, industrial, and, and some telecom as well, with Sai, in fact, in a couple of cases. So yeah, it's been about seven years or so at McKinsey and about seven years at industrial before that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you both here. And like I mentioned earlier, you guys wrote this great article on zero-based design. So I'm hoping that you can give us some background on, on what zero-based design is and what the meaning of the concept is behind zero-based design. Sure. I'm happy to kick that off. Zero-based design, it's a term that's been used in, in, in multiple contexts. I mean, at least the zero-based term, I think, has been used in several contexts. First gained popularity, I think, in the business world through zero-based budgeting, which was the concept that 3G Capital and folks brought in in terms of their approach to sort of transformative budgeting in the and cost transformation. The principle applied to process design and zero-based design is pretty similar. And the idea here is rather than incremental improvements, which of course are valuable and, and get you a lot of impact pretty quickly. Starting from scratch, a clean sheet redesign of a process or function can actually help you get to a, a lot higher impact than the traditional incremental approach. And so the, the concept of zero-based design is exactly that, which is let's take an existing process, but rather than look at specific pockets of opportunity and sources of waste like you would in Lean and, optim and fix those, Let's start with a clean sheet of paper and say, what is the process that we need to design? And let's start with the outcome in mind and work backwards and see where we get to, right? And, and what we find in, in most cases is the zero-based design approach is, yes, it's a lot more resource intensive and, it, and a, a few different considerations and conditions we need to have in place. And we'll talk about some of that, I'm sure, over the course of this discussion. But it does lead us to a lot, a lot higher impact and outcomes than the traditional approach does and helps us use some of these newer technologies in ways that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to use. And so that's why we've seen this approach. That's what it is and why it's different and, and where we've seen it be quite valuable for our clients. That makes total sense. So as you're looking at this zero-based approach, how does an existing organization get started with a zero-based kind of design? Yeah, I worked with uh, a few companies on this topic 
introducing this. The zero-based design is much more suited for established companies because when you talk about startups, it, it comes to them by nature, right? They are disruptive. They have the advantage. But when you're talking about incumbent companies, that's where the challenge is. And so zero-based design is a more structured approach to introducing this radical change in existing companies. Yeah. So think of this as, as a four linear steps with a fifth step, which is cutting across, right? So, so the four steps are in terms of articulating a vision, right? So as Rohit mentioned earlier, right? So there needs to be a purpose. There needs to be a... Uh, discussion on the outcomes that are needed. Once you have that, then it's a question of prioritizing the processes for, for, for the impact. And then you establish a roadmap because it's not a one effort. It is actually a, it's a multi-phased sequence of uh, um, events that need to happen, programs that need to happen. And then finally, fourth one is along building success, which is very important, right? It's a very reinforcing uh, mechanism that, and along the way, you build the capabilities, right? So these are the four steps, if you may. And all along, change management is a very important element and has to be thought through in terms of what are the drivers for the change in terms of the people that you work with and also the people that you want to bring and, and broader employee base, right? Change management from that perspective. And also the KPIs and incentives for the team that's working on the ZBD and also the team that, you know, you, the final users, if you may, of the processes, redesign processes. The change management step is cutting across and is quite important. Yeah. In terms of, I would say the, it looks good on paper, the process, but in terms of how it actually works, it's, uh, that's where the challenge is, right? It's very important that you have senior leadership buy-in on this new way of working. It can't be just the flavor of the day. It has to be a much more committed effort and it is a much longer term, right? So it's not something that you would do for three months and move on to something else. It's something that it's, it has to be folded into the new way of working. It has to be folded into the operating model of the company. So that brings up an interesting point. So you talk about the change management component and go into a, a clean slate and a clean sheet of paper. How does a, an existing organization get started or adopt a zero-based design? Because it seems like it could be in conflict with sort of business as usual. I'm happy to just give a share a perspective there. And I think what we've seen, Michael, in, in a lot of cases, what you have is you create this new process and you've got the traditional way of doing things. And there's, you know, what we've seen in the cases that we've done this is start off the new process. You build out the new process and do a few test runs, right? Sort of the classic water through the pipes exercise, which is, for newer demand that's coming up or for newer customers, try out the new process and, and go in eyes wide open and say that, hey, it's not fully baked yet. And we'd love to just get you to participate in a pilot, so to speak, and work it. But have a goal in mind and be very clear on what stage you will actually do a cutover and say, from this date onwards, the old one doesn't exist anymore. And then force that change to happen. What we've noticed is that the, the incremental step-by-step -step will go from 10% to 20% to 30%. That doesn't really work. So you can start with 10%, but at some point, switch over to 50 and then go to 100. I could make a few big jumps. And by the way, it's not going to be perfect. And so I think this is where the point that Sai mentioned, leadership buy-in and commitment from the organization is a critical first step. Because if you don't have top-down role modeling of, hey, this is why we're doing this, this is important to the organization, and we need to make this change, as well as every individual you know, across the organization, understanding how they play a role towards this new process, what are some of the, the KPIs and metrics that they use to track success and track progress? 
And of course, do they have all the right tools and capabilities to do this, right? Because you're talking about introducing new technologies potentially, and they need to know how to use those tools and technologies, right? So it's it's a few different pieces that need to come in to think about to help organizations actually make, you know, adopt the change and make it stick. And that kind of brings up this concept of culture. How does zero-based design affect the culture, though, of the company? In a significant manner, right? As Rohit was mentioning, right? When you're shifting from the status quo way of working to ZBD, right? There are a few specific vectors I can think of in terms of cultural shifts. Yeah. First one is in terms of it forces the employees to think from a disruption mindset it, in sense that you're always like, how would a startup do the same thing with fewer resources and much faster outcomes, right? Much better outcomes. So it forces you to think what would a competitor, if it doesn't lean competitor, if it already doesn't exist in the market would do. So I think that's the very powerful mindset to have. Yeah. And if you're already challenged by, let's say, some of the disruptors, you can at least think how they're actually working. So it, it raises a sense of urgency and forces a new way of thinking, right? So that is one. The second one is in terms of when you actually start doing this, not just in silos, but across the organization, it forces a much more end-to-end -end perspective and also collaboration, right? It's not just you, you know, like back office does this or front office does this or procurement does this, corporate functions, finance does this, but rather when you bring all these stakeholders into one room and actually architect this new way of working, then it increases a much better understanding of challenges in the other functions and also increases your level of ownership or role in the whole value chain. Yeah, so that's the second one. Third one that I see is in terms of it forces iterative mindset. And this is very similar to you know, what Rohit was mentioning, right? You borrow the concepts of agile into ZBD here. When you start thinking that way, you're not you know waiting for the perfect solution, but rather you're iterating, right? So you have a a pretty good way of working, which addresses a number of constraints that you have currently or is fairly radical enough. You get that going, you get the quick wins going, and then you start improving, improvising the process along. I would say these are the three big cultural shifts the zero-based design does. So if you're discussing this, you mentioned um, zero-based kind of aligning with this iterative approach and, and an agile way of doing it. How could, how might that work in real life? What does that look like in real life? Yeah, so what it looks like is that it's interesting, right? We, we borrowed sort of principles from agile and created the MVP terminology. We used it to basically say, you're creating the minimum viable process and borrowed the same approach a little bit. And I think that the importance of zero-based design uh, and agile and where that sort of meets is, What's really good about Agile is the fast iteration and the fact that you're able to get output quickly. It's not perfect, but you keep improving on it and you keep iterating quickly. That's one thing that really resonated as we were building our zero-based design playbook with our clients. Because we're like, we don't want to wait 16 weeks or six months and just everyone sits together and redesign all these processes. Like, how do we know it's actually going to work? And so we say, let's actually break it up into pieces. And let's say in the first two weeks, we're going to do a sprint and actually get this part of the process fixed and working. And we're going to actually put it into deployment and see what sticks. And if it doesn't work, we'll bring it back very quickly and, and try and improve it over the next two weeks and then launch it again. And that part of Agile, I think, works quite well in the context of process design. Now, of course, there's, you're not going to try the end-to-end -end process. There's pieces that will work and you have to design that experiment, so to speak. But that is something which in the traditional way, you don't really do that. You stop everything and you say, if you're sort of doing traditional lean, 
uh, or you're doing to make, you say, well, there's a design, there's a define phase, and then there's a measure phase, and there's an analyze phase, right? You're doing a lot of this quite theoretically step-by-step, step, which, by the way, works in a lot of contexts. So um, I think it's just a question of how do you improve the speed and agility of the organization to try some of these things? The second point, I think, which also starts impacting the culture is it increases the sort of level of user or customer centricity in the organization because everything that you're forcing people to do is saying, is this really adding value to your customer? And by the way, it doesn't have to be an end customer. It can also be an internal customer, right? Because a lot of these are B2B type of interactions or internal within the organization. It's procurement, your customer is operations. And like, are you serving them in, in the best way possible? And do they really need this thing? Or are you just doing this because that's how your process works? And so it's forcing them to, to think through what their customer really values and really needs and taking some of the principles of the principles of design thinking and human-centered design um, into process design for internal processes. And I think that, again, complements the agile approach quite well. So I think that's those are the areas of, of agile and, and some of these elements that, that, that I think work really well in the, in the zero-based approach. And then the other thing is also inherent in this approach is the fact that you start off with a constraint-free environment and you say, in a perfect world, and we, we call it a a sunny day scenario to say in a sunny day scenario, what is what does it look like? And how does what does the constraint fee perfect process look like? And then let's slowly add back constraints and say, okay, if this happened or if that happened, and how would you tackle that particular situation? And you find that in a lot of cases, well, if you did have a perfect process, well, those constraints don't really start to matter in the same way anymore. In fact, you identify new things that you may not have encountered as yet that start to become some challenges. And I think that's why the agile approach works really well in the context of zero-based design. That makes total sense. So as you're working with your clients, what technologies would you say would support or feed this zero-based design approach? So uh, a few different ones, right? And, and there's, so there's technologies to manage and run the process. Um, and there's technologies that you use to actually, that become part of the end solution, so to speak. And so the technologies that are part of the process are more similar to a lot of your agile and scrum tools, right? So like the Jira's, the Trello's, right? Because what you want to do is, you're managing sprints, you're managing the backlog, you're managing particular initiatives, you've got a user story, you've got all the, the classic um, elements from Agile. And so that's used to manage the overall zero-based design process. Technologies that are applicable as part of the end solution, I think this is where the power of ZMedia really shines through. Because if you think about you know, technology, like in, in the case of the Cyanide, we were thinking about well, robotic process automation or artificial intelligence or machine learning algorithms. And what happens is that if you're trying to apply some of these technologies to the older process, you're not necessarily harnessing it, harnessing the full power. For example, you've got paper-based processes. Let's say you've got a whole bunch of paper coming in, and then someone sits and digitizes all of that. Yes, you've now got it in the system. Then they do a bunch of data processing. Sure, you can automate the data processing portion, but you've still got this big stack of paper, right? So how do you think about the front end and say, do we actually go out and reach our customers and, and change the way in which we intake data from them? And what would it take to redesign that part of the process because if we were digital native and got that coming in the first place everything downstream can feed off of that and so it's the classic rather than fitting the square peg of rpa into a round hole of the existing process and getting point solutions you say okay let's just redesign this thing and design it so that some of these solutions complement uh, and fit within the process really well and so we've seen everything from a lot of the software and cognitive based automation in the case that Cyan and I did there was there was a there was a, a telecom company and I mean I've worked with, I've done this in a couple of telecom situations as well where part of the process is actually going out and doing doing physical site surveys and doing designs and doing construction all of that also the fact is if you're thinking about some of the newer technologies that help you do that digitally 
being able to feed that data in, integrate that in the rest of the process requires you to fundamentally rethink every other part of the process. Uh, and so it's pretty much lets you adapt every part of the process to all the new technologies out there. Maybe I can add a couple of points here. One is when you're thinking of this automation of tools, think of it across the whole supply chain, not just your company, but you're talking about your vendors, the ecosystem, right? Especially in uh, complex activities like construction, et cetera. So the benefit is if you can have visibility across your supply chains, right? And that kind of makes the process much more simplified and gives visibility to um, the end stakeholders in terms of readiness. So it's, if you're applying this to situations like that, that's one reflection. The second one is uh, building on what Rohit has said. The common trap in terms of using um, similar tools, right, in the status quo is that you're automating waste, right? Now, if you front end that with a ZBD step, then you are mitigating that. You're automating and focusing on your automation resources to be much more productive. That makes sense. So Sai, how can a company or organization get started with zero-based design right now? Yeah, building on the earlier discussion that we had. So you would think of this as a, as the, a five-step process, right? The four linear steps and then one overarching change management step. Yeah. Yeah. You would do that exercise, of course, starting with a diagnostic to understand better the, the company's priorities. You understand what the, uh, leadership challenges or in terms of making that shift. So you understand some of these attempts are not new to companies, right? They have been trying. So what exactly is uh, being the challenge, right? So you understand some of these constraints. And once you understand and prioritize what needs to be addressed, then you actually do a, a much more, you plan the for the specific pilot process. You actually do a much more detailed design, you work through the logistics, you work through the workshops, you work through the whole sprints as um, Robert was mentioning, right? And then you start thinking of how you plug this back into in, into the in, in, into the overarching setup. Yeah, look, I think the, the process, I think we can probably get into much more detail, but what I wanted to cover is few practical elements, which kind of, you know, differentiate or make it a successful program versus or or like run of the mill exercise so first one is in terms of linking the zbd exercise to the outcome so having the clarity in terms of what's the pain point right is it uh time to market is it operational efficiency right um is it risk mitigation so having the clarity and working your your exercise to kind of cover that is very important and as we discussed, the leadership buy-in and involvement is at, at the starting makes it a much more productive exercise. Yeah. The second one I would say is in terms of manage the team size much more effectively and who is part of the teams. Because essentially, this is not like a happy exercise where you get everybody galvanized. Yes, that happens. That happens as an outcome, but that should not be the starting, that should not be the goal per se. The goal is to deliver value. So I would say bias, my bias, or I would index towards like the pizza size teams, if you may, and, and being much more thoughtful about who's going to be part of the team, what competencies do they bring, what kind of influence or that they can have when they take this process back or these learnings back into the organization. And then other elements I would say are probably around creating the right environment, right? Now, as you go through this iteration, you want to have the flexibility to test. 
you want to have a more open environment that's okay with failing and then saying okay guys this is not working let's try something different or let's flip back there should be that openness in the organization to do that yeah and then finally i would say building it for success as we talked about this whole exercise getting the success in the first first process is very important yeah because it's very reinforcing it builds confidence and you know excitement now but at same time you don't want to stop there rather there are much bigger problems within the organization still that are left so it's not just doing this celebrating and moving on but rather thinking what's the next so i would say having that culture not to just celebrate and move on but rather think the bigger steps that bigger challenges that you're going to take on as part of this zbd setup yeah uh, anything rohit from your standpoint you would like to add no i just i would well just a couple of closing thoughts right one is these are a lot you know these these projects are quite exciting because at the end of it the impact that's delivered is is usually a step change above what organizations thought they could achieve i've done this about four or five times now across sectors and every single case every time we start off this exercise in the beginning like literally on the first day and and sai knows this we do an exercise where we ask everyone what do you think we can achieve and we force people we do the classic sort of posted test you don't have anyone anchored and we do a histogram of where do people think we're going to land at the end of this and five out of five times we have landed way above the mean in terms of where we the actual impact has been delivered in terms of what people expected from it and it's always the case because a lot of the best ideas come from within the organization and from different parts of the organization and they also come from different you might be in one team but the people who have the best ideas about your function might be the ones either who provide you input or who you're providing input to right <laughs> either right side and very often you don't necessarily get input from those folks and so this sort of brings all of them together and very often they're like i don't know why you guys do it this way like all we need or oh, really that's all you need <laughs> okay let's just rethink the whole thing and in most cases it ends up we 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 call out the no sacred cows rule multiple times right and very often we find that actually people are willing to challenge and and push back and there's a lot of healthy tension between groups because you have the classic people saying hey this is not going to work and here are the five reasons and before they can even finish someone else but actually there are five ways that we can counter all of these things right so there's a lot of discussion and and so it's it's just an exciting process to be part of and help facilitate and i think everyone gets together and and is united by the impact that it can achieve now that being said i think the flip side is that it does take a lot of a lot more resources than a traditional effort right so if you're doing classic process design you could have two people sitting with a bunch of flow charts and process maps and just working through things in a methodical manner and you get a very clear answer at the end of it you can sit alone you can interview a bunch of people and you can do it in that way this is 10 15 people sometimes in front of a whiteboard and sticky notes and post-its and the organization needs to make those people available to do this right which sometimes and this is why there needs to be the commitment to say this is worth us doing this and we need to do something different but if they do make that happen then we've seen outcomes which are quite amazing across this is all amazing and i want to thank you both for joining me today to talk through this i highly recommend to the folks listening to us that to go read this paper because it it really does go into some really good detail and and to help you understand this whole concept of zero based design that they've touched on so many different points today to give you a, a good taste for what this in, includes but uh, I really want to appreciate both of you for for coming in and opening this up because I really think this is a very critical time now as companies are rethinking their digital strategies to understand what tools or options they have available to them and the zero based design concept you guys have, have come up with is is, is really transformative so I want to thank you Sure. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. 
For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.